Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On this week's podcast, we catch up with Ben. He's a pilot with a major U.S. airline but has also carved out a niche for himself on social media, answering questions every day on TikTok and Instagram on the life of a pilot. We caught up with Ben from his home in the US to turn the tables and ask him a few questions about his career, his time as a ferry pilot on the North Atlantic, and his move to flying with one of the US's major airlines. Along the way, he has some great stories. Ben, you're very welcome to Squawk 7000. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you for having me. Tell me more about this passion for flying and, and that it brought you to TikTok and indeed other platforms. What was your objective? Well, the objective with the Flying for a Living, the page on TikTok and uh, on Twitter as well, uh, was just to share the love of flying, share the joy of flying, provide a positive voice as a professional pilot uh, in the airlines and to help others, um, you know, in terms of education or give them the opportunity to reach out and speak to someone in the, in the profession, something that I didn't have when I was younger. I've heard you mention that before, that you, you wish yourself that uh, when you started out that there was somebody you could have uh, you know, asked the difficult questions of. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I, I mean my, my dad took flying lessons, but he never got his license. Uh, that's what got me into it. And growing up, I never had access to an airline pilot. Also, the internet was in its infancy at the time. And when you know, forums, message forums became available, they're, they're faceless and nameless. You don't know who you're getting your information from. You don't know who they are. And because they're nameless and faceless, they tend to you negative, I suppose, because they're also venting frustrations, whether they're legitimate or not. So I wanted to be able to give this generation or the next or coming a face, someone who can provide positive feedback that they can get reliable, credible answers to their questions. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine that some people might come on to you looking for their lost luggage and, and you're trying to give career advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, someone asked me if I if I know about why their flight's delayed. I'm like, I can't help you there. I wish I could. Yeah. That's on me. Now, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, you're with a major US airline and you create that distinction. You're not talking on behalf of your airline. But I Correct. would like to, just for our listeners, give them a bit of an idea of what, what you're driving. Like, what are you flying? Uh, I am flying the Boeing 737, or what I like to call it, the height of technology of the Apollo era. Um, <laughs> 1969, yeah. 1969. I mean, I, I, I always joke that NASA looked at the 737 for inspiration when they designed the Apollo command capsule. But uh, I fly the 737, different variants of it, the Dash 700, 800, 9, ER, and so forth, Max they, as well. 
and they keep on coming, don't they? they do. now, and in, in that, where are you based? Where's where's your airport uh, or your base airport? Um, my base, the airport. I'm based in the Washington DC, DC uh, area. Oh, excellent! So you get to what? Because a lot of lot of the East Coast. I'm I'm guessing a lot of East Coast, but because we're based here, we kind of fly to other places. So you know, where when I was based at, uh, with the regional airline in my area, I was flying East Coast, Mid Atlantic. Now I'm going all over the uh, you know lower 48 United States, Central America, the Caribbean. You know, you've been sharing some very interesting clips, all right, from the Caribbean, making it look, uh, you know, for the rest of us in winter, it makes it look rather, rather pleasant and rather nice. It is rather pleasant. I, I, the thing is, I've never really been to the Caribbean before. I, I, once before on a cruise, I had an overnight there about a month and a half ago or two months now. And it just made me fall in love with the concept of going to the Caribbean in the winter. Uh, you do this thing called pilot talk uh, and explaining a lot of the language. So uh, anybody watching will get to understand the different kinds of reserves that are out there and, and the way the rosters work. Um, what else are the other things that people ask you about? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Like an Airline Pilot. Today, we're going to be talking about red eyes. What is a red eye flight? In short, a red-eye flight is a flight that goes through the night. But instead of me explaining it, how about I show it to you? Join me today as we're going to do a red-eye flight from San Salvador, El Salvador, to Washington, Dulles, my home airport. Our flight tonight is going to depart at 1.30 in the morning, and we have a van to take us to the airport, I believe, at 11.55 this evening. Given that it's currently noon and very sunny outside, I'm going to have an early lunch, and start winding down to try to take a nap so I can sleep this afternoon so I can be awake and alert for our flight this evening. Now, I normally don't do this, but I ordered a room service so that I can eat in my room while I'm updating my iPad, uh, making sure that all my charts and uh, navigation information, all that stuff is up to date. That was yummy. Now let's get the room ready. First things first, thermostat down as low as I can make it. 60 is a good, good spot. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Make the room as dark as possible so no sunlight can get in. Goodbye. And goodbye. It's now 1 p.m. Let's see how long we can get a nap in for. All right. Uh, most often they're, they're interested in how pilot pay works, which <laughs> is a very difficult topic to cover, especially on the format of TikTok. Because I could probably do an hour and a half long seminar on pilot pay. Not now. Don't ask me. I got to prep. But I could do it. But TikTok limits you to a maximum of three minutes of of broadcasting per per video. So it's kind of hard to scrunch it all down. But that's the most common people want to know. Well, what I'd like to know as well, and with, with there's so much we want to talk to you about this evening, but because you're on the far side of the Atlantic from us here in Europe, I'm curious about how it's going there. Because post-COVID, if, if we're even post that yet, sign of recovery, uh, pilot shortages, what are the kind of main topics that pilots are talking about? Pilots right now are just excited about the the comeback of the airlines, at least on on this side of the Atlantic. I'm not quite sure. I'm not all in tune on what's happening on your side. Mm. But on this side... Travel demand is rebounding with a vengeance. Uh, and whereas we had a pilot shortage before the pandemic hit, we were short then. And then because of the pandemic, airlines were contracting and sending people out on leaves of absence and furloughs. And now that travel demand has, re- has returned, there was this mad scramble to hire people and get people retrained. And I think everyone who was out on furlough or for a leave of absence is already back. And now it's this mad dash to get ready for the summer of 2022. 
because mm. I think we're anticipating a really busy travel month, at least within the U.S. domestically. Uh, we, I, I think, when I say we, it's just me. <laughs> from, from other people I'm talking to, we're all excited about 2022 mm. summer because we're expecting it to be pretty busy. And what is the route to an airline seat still in the U.S.? Is it, you know, is it, is there a formal route or is it a, a, an informal route? There's not a formal route, but it's kind of like saying, what's the route to get to Mount Everest? It's like, we all know where you got to go. Mm. So you got to start with a private pilot uh, rating here, then instrument rating, commercial, you build your hours for the commercial to the check ride, 250 hours. Mm. And this is where Europe and the States now greatly differ. Whereas in the States, you have the 1500 hour rule. You have to have, you have to be an ATP holder to sit in the right seat of an airliner. I don't believe that's a requirement in the in the UK or in Europe. Mm. Uh, so you can be a commercial pilot sitting the right seat of a 737 at Ryanair, for example. You have to be an ATP holder here in the United States. And that means then that the, there's also people take a career decision sometimes to remain as a first officer. There isn't an automatic direct thing, I'm going in to become a captain. I mean, they, they remain a, a career first officer, but it's not necessarily because of the ratings. I mean, you... I have the same exact ratings as the captain that I fly with. But where people decide to remain in the right seat, especially when they get to the major airline level or or what I like to... Do you know the term forever home? Yes. Okay. So it's like when you find your forever home, when you make it to that carrier that you want to be at to you you retire, people are going to make the choice, do I want to upgrade or do I want to not upgrade? And there are many factors and it's going to be individual to each person. But the, the only advantage to going to captain is pay. Right. However, to get to the captain side, you're going to have to give up relative seniority within your base and your category of aircraft. So it's this it's it's not. I don't say compensation because your quality of life, your ability to control your schedule and time off at home is just as valuable to some people as having that extra captain pay it. So I don't want to say that they're losing out on money. They're just putting their value into another aspect of what they want for themselves and their family. Mm. You mentioned earlier in the chat about, you know, your dad uh, taking a couple of flying lessons. And I'm curious to what extent that did influence you. I mean, what what was the notion in your head? What were you doing? What were you going to do if you didn't fly? Oh, it was it was the entire trigger. Um, Let's let's put this in perspective. I was eight years old. Uh, So I remember I remember distinctively wanting to be a garbage truck driver uh, (laughs) because I thought the truck was cool. Yeah. I thought the truck was cool. They had the big shovel in the back that compresses the trash. So that's a really cool machine. I'm a kid, you know? And then one day I go up in the back of a, I'm a what I can only assume was a Cessna 172. Mm-hmm. It was a high wing four seater. So I, I had to have been. And we're on final approach. I forget if it was Teterboro or Caldwell, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just remember seeing the roofs of, of houses and buildings and just immediately in my head, I'm going to be a pilot. This is what I'm going to do. It was never a question in my entire life since then that I would be doing anything else. And so at some stage, you went for your first flight. At some stage, yeah. It took a while. Uh, so uh, I started my, I did my introductory flight at the age of 18. I'm a dual citizen. So I, I moved to Israel when I was a young boy, you know, high school and things. And there's a mandatory draft into the military. So that kind of takes your focus. Mm-hmm. for a while but before i went into the army i did my first introductory flight in new jersey i was visiting my grandma before i went into the army and i did my introductory flight it just reinforced everything 
Uh, I was a Microsoft Flight Sim geek up until that point. <laughs> Microsoft Flight Sim since I've been a kid. I've been studying the Jepson Flight Manual since I've been eight years old. No okay. joke. Because my dad never got his license, but he had all of his materials. So I just took it and I just, I just like a sponge. So uh, I went to the army. And when you get out of the army in Israel, they give you this bunch of money to kickstart your life. On the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot, but it's nice to have something. I went and did the responsible thing and I dumped it all in a flight school. Um, and I just it stayed open, I hope. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. How did so, I know? <laughs> right? Uh, so, yeah, I dumped all that money that I got into this flight school that declared bankruptcy right when I was uh, doing my first solo. Mm. So, okay. I lost, I'm not going to say all of it, but I lost about a quarter of it. Mm. Um, and uh, that kind of that kind of kicked me into where I am today, where I was starting to, to look for another flight school to, to learn out of. So they heard that I have an American accent, and the guy said, why are you being, he literally said, what are you, stupid? And I went, what do you, I said, what do you mean? Because you're an American. I said, yes, go to the States. It's cheaper. You have a passport. Take advantage of it. And that's what brought me to where I am today, Maryland. And flying for a living. And flying for a living, yes. We'll be back with more after this short break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Now, there's a couple of things in there, you know, before we short circuit the story, because and again, I have a slight advantage in the fact you've already shared these stories with the world. Um, but I'm really interested in some of the ferry flying that you did. You've sure. you've been across the, the pond, what, in an exposure suit? <laughs> Immersion suit? It definitely, definitely in an exposure shoot, suit. Yes, mm-hmm. several times. I call it the Gumby suit. Uh, and uh, it, it's just about a, a, I'd say it's about. Half a centimeter to a centimeter thick neoprene. 
that you wear? They, I grew up in Israel, so I know metrics. I can go for that. Okay, we can do that too. <laughs> uh, and the entire purpose of the suit is to keep you alive long enough to get into the raft. So should you ditch in the ocean? Should you manage to survive the ditch? Should you manage to get out? Should your raft manage to not have been punctured? Should it inflate? You then have about 45 minutes to somehow haul yourself waterlogged into this raft before you freeze. That's the purpose of the suit. Mm. But yeah, uh, yeah, I've done... Um, I did do ferry flying. It was out of like a necessity thing. I never heard of the, the, let's rewind a bit. Okay. I was flight instructing. I had a student who purchased an airplane in Utah, which for your listeners, that's kind of like the distance of saying Greece to the UK. Okay. Okay. It was that far away from where we were. So he asked me to go pick it up with him. So for the first time I ventured out and I did a whole literal cross country flight in a plane while flying back, my the student who was with me said, you know what? I'm sure other people need this service. You should do this. And I, I never heard, I didn't invent the, I did not invent the industry, but I never heard of it before. Mm. So uh, what I was a pioneer, though, of is advertising it online. Ah. Until then, ferrying was more like who you knew, word of mouth. Mm. And I just purchased a domain name called theferrypilot.com, T-H-E, ferrypilot.com which is still active. I sold it to a couple of good guys who are still ferrying. Mm. Um, but I just had that domain. And within six months, I was the number one Google search hit for ferry pilot globally. Uh, it's a, and it's, I got it going. It's a thing here in Ireland that a lot of people would know, because particularly if you fly in and out of Shannon, uh, and certainly over the last 20 or 30 years, you would often see the occasional Cessna arriving in with a couple of extra barrels of fuel in the back of it and yeah. wonder who were these folk who flew across the Atlantic. I, I'm wondering, did you ever make it to Ireland? Or did you just go straight to Scotland? No, I've always wanted to make it to Ireland. I've been to Shannon once in my life for a period of three hours, courtesy of TWA and a blown tire. But <laughs> okay. that, uh, no, uh, I, uh, I would go into Scotland. So my, my landing point in the UK was Wick uh, mm. Airport mm. up in North Scotland. And uh, a guy by the name of uh, Andrew Bruce, who ran Far North Aviation, who was just a wealth of information, really nice guy, uh, would help out, you know. I was doing domestic ferrying, and then out of the blue one day, I got a call from a guy in Germany who asked me if I could ferry his plane to Canada for him. And me being the ever-so-confident businessman, I was like, yes, of course I can do this for you, sir, sure. I want to advise you that I've never done it before, but I'm sure I can handle it. And he's like, okay. Got off the phone. I panicked. And uh, I uh, reached out. There was a there was a guy, a, a retired ferry pilot, offering a course. So I took his course on how to fly over the ocean. I spoke with a few other ferry pilots who agreed to mentor me. A guy, one specifically, agreed to mentor me on this trip so I could reach out to him. Uh, his name was Dustin Rabe. And uh, I just, I did as much prepping as I could, and I went. I was on a plane to Germany for an adventure that, you know, who knew? Well, everyone told me I shouldn't do it, but... I went and I did it. And um, people call me brave, but I, I say, don't, don't call me brave because you're brave if you make it. You're stupid if you don't. If you didn't, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So, you know. It's just, I'm thinking it's about the fact, you know, yes, you'll have sat down and you'll have done your flight plan and you'll have had your point of no return. Um, I'm wondering what the mental challenges are of a flight like that, rather than necessarily the physical ones. People ask you all about how do you stay awake and, you know, how do you look after yourself? But mentally, what was the, the, the challenge in that? Mentally, the challenge? It's a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about it as mentally what the challenge is. I think it's getting out of your own way. 
believing in yourself that you can accomplish it. Uh, I remember having to convince, I would, I would remind myself that the engine doesn't know that it's over water, so it's not more likely to fail. I know, Ben, but doesn't it sound different the moment you leave the coastline? Oh, very much so. You're very... <laughs> so you want to leave the coastline, and I had a scare like that. I was... Um, my first Oceana crossing, I was alone. It's the only one I've done solo. Oh, okay. I was alone in a two-seater aircraft, and uh, it was it was built for round-the-world air races, so it was perfect for my first crossing. Hmm. But I'm really halfway through Reykjavik to uh, Narsasuak, Greenland, which is the southernmost tip of Greenland. 300 miles ocean in front of me and behind me, and the engine's got its hum. It's humming along, you know, hmm. this little thing. And then it hiccups. It's just, and that, it was that quick, but that sent my soul skyrocketing out of the plane. I had to go grab it and put it back in my body. I was, I was like, oh, carb heat. Okay, Rickster, full rich. And what happened? And it's kind of like Captain Kirk yelling down to Scotty, damage report, but I had no Scotty. It's just me. Mm. So I was like, oh, what happened? And I don't know what happened. Must have been a little bit of water in the fuel, I'm assuming, or something. It didn't happen again, but I was so happy to see the coast of Greenland after that flight. So happy. And actually, if you go to my TikTok page, there's the video of me seeing the shore of Greenland for the first time that happened right after the engine hiccup. With your soul hanging out on a rope at the, at the back from it. It's, my gosh, it's, yeah. it's a great idea. Uh, and, and so with, with those kind of trips, and we've talked about sort of the mental aspects of it, we might as well include some of the things like, what's communication like for you in that? And, and the typical du- duration of flying before, you know, either you or nature runs out of endurance. So, uh, you know, a lot of people joke that you're limited by your bladder, but yeah. like very pilots, we take bottles. <laughs> okay. Like mouth bottles if you're a guy. The communication, uh, most of the aircraft had only VHF radio. Mm. Only one segment of the route that requires HF. And if you really want to be an overachiever, you can get around that. You just got to go more north. You can get around it. But most of the flights, I've only done two with an HF radio. Most had a VHF. I also had a, uh, a sat phone. The first one I rented, then I bought myself a sat phone um, as well, just as a backup. And I also kept a, uh, a spot tracker. Not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, spot tracker, it's a personal locator beacon in a way. Uh, and it has... It has like four buttons and you can, it's constantly sending your location to a website so my clients could follow me as, okay. as we cross the ocean. And I can send text messages. I could pre-program a text message. If I push the button, it'll send, I'm okay, you know, once in a while. Mm. And then if, heaven forbid, the worst happened, I can send out an SOS and anywhere in the globe, they will send search and rescue to that location. On top of the spot tracker, I also purchased a, a certified FAA, like an FAA certified personal locator ELT that's about the size of my, my fist so somebody from Greenland is going to come looking for you is, is, is they're is very good at you yes yeah but varying on average um, there's about three people who lose their lives a year on the cross really on average yeah it's it's gotten a lot better with with, with GPS but prior to GPS was a lot more now that there's GPS it's less but there's still roughly three a year lose their lives on, on the cross so on another topic then from that particularly hard work, and as you say, the, the cooling thought that, that it is still a, a dangerous activity. <laughs> what about the fun flying for you? I mean, I'm not going to include sitting in a, in a 737. Put that to one side for a second, fun and all that it is. Do you still get to go near some general aviation at all? You know, I wish I could, I, I wish I could say yes to that. I don't. Um, I, and you say 
moving away from the ferrying, but I have to I have to say the ferrying was the most fun really? I've ever had in in aviation. It was the most rewarding, challenging job I've ever had. I, I've flown 35 different makes and models of GA airplanes, which I know it sounds like a lot, but if you think about a, a Piper Cherokee, mm, yeah. Piper Warrior are different makes and models technically. Mm. But I mean, I've flown Moonies, Huskies, various kit planes. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. Cessna 206s, 207s. I never heard of a 207 until I ferried a 207. And each one brought a challenge and learning the power settings of each one and seeing how you can stretch it. I mean, taking a serious SR-20 from Fort Lauderdale to Madrid, that was a blast. Wow. Okay. Unfortunately, lately, I don't really have a lot of time or money for GA flying. I'd like to get to that point. That'll happen eventually. I'll have a lot more gray hair by then. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I have a child right now and, uh, you know, priorities are priorities. And, of course, you have a hobby, which you've been sharing as well with uh, some of the people on social media, which is a love of model aircraft. Yes. Uh, so model making was a hobby I started about six years ago, five or six years ago now. It didn't start with airplanes. My wife bought me a model tank as a as a Hanukkah present. And uh, I built it, and it just kind of snowballed from there. It's like, okay, I built this. It looks okay, but not great. Let's get another one and see if I can make it look better. And eventually got sick of making tanks. I made uh, Star Trek models, Enterprise, and a couple of other ones. And then I took a crack at airplanes, and I've been building airplanes now for the last four years or so. Yeah, you see that 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 nerdy piece is not going to you're not going to be able to hide that the geek is in there. It's, oh, it definitely comes I out. It. I absolutely <laughs> embrace it. You know, people say flying. You know, flying is the only personality trait. It kind of is, but it's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, wrap up then, Ben, by chatting just very quickly again about social media because that was obviously how we found you. Um, how's it? Mm-hmm. Is that going? And and you know, you've you're you're prolific. You're rather, you're there nearly almost every other day with uh, with some news or information, and you're sharing it in in that environment. Um. Well. Okay. So how how it came by was TikTok is just addictive, and it was the pandemic, and no one was flying. We we're all sitting on our butts at home. Mm. And what are you going to do? You're going to watch people do silly dances, and that's what TikTok started out as. And then now TikTok, if you're getting onto it, it's going to be whatever you want it to be because it curates to yourself whatever you're looking for. Mm. So I'm trying to add to a more positive educational spin with some slight humor in there, sprinkled around. Um. The goal, you you know, I don't know exactly if I have a, an end goal. The idea was not to be TikTok famous. I really appreciate being on the podcast. <laughs> the goal wasn't to get on podcast. Or sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it literally is a more of an outreach. I've always done flight instruction. I was the chief instructor of a flight academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the chief pilot of a, of a charter company most recently before my current job. And that always involved teaching, instruction, and whatever. So feel that uh, I, I felt that I wanted to reach out to people who, like I said earlier on in our podcast conversation, who, who don't know the questions they want to ask or don't even know who to ask and be that person that they can ask yeah. or answer the question that they don't know that they have. From all that you've produced, anything gone viral? What's been a hit for you? Yeah, one of the ones that went viral that I... I didn't expect there was a news story of a, of a guy from Guatemala who hid in the wheel well of a 737 and he flew, he was trying to get out of Guatemala and he managed to land in Miami and he survived how he survived. I have no oh. idea, but he did. So I made a video commenting on that. Uh, and I even showed pictures of what the wheel well looks like. So, you know, 
the idea was to just show, to give more context about this, because the news media are going to be what the news media are. It's going to hype it up. But I also wanted to discourage other people from trying. <laughs> because True. You don't want the, that on your airplane, no. We're in the age of YouTubers jumping out of perfectly good air, aircraft. Or yes, that's been okay. fairly controversial, so, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to show what it is and discourage people from trying. So that video went, I think that's the most viral that's gone. Finally, Ben, what do your fellow pilots make of your activities online? Do you get any feedback from them? Um, No, because as much as aviation is a small community, it's also a large community. Mm -hmm. Uh, The page is not, I don't think, large enough to garner that much attention. Um, I do know that those pilots who have seen it, I've only received positive feedback from it. Uh, I was actually at at an overnight destination this week. And with the ramp supervisor, we were talking, we had a small maintenance item we were working on. And the ramp supervisor was in the flight deck. And all of a sudden he looks at me and goes, are you that pilot from TikTok? And I said, yes, I am. He goes, oh my gosh, I follow you. I even commented on one of your things. I said, that's nice. He goes, can I take a selfie? And it caught me so off guard. I said, no. <laughs> and then I, and he looked hurt. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. I just, I'm not used to that. You know, so that, that's the feedback I've been getting so far. So it seems to be going well. And of course, if people want to follow your exploits, all they need to do is get themselves onto TikTok and indeed Instagram, I think as well. Would it be right, Ben? TikTok, Instagram uh, and Twitter. Uh, Instagram right now is the least active of the three. Not on purpose. I do plan on posting things there. It just happened to not be as active right now. Well, we look forward to following your exploits. The username is Flying for a Living. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on Squawk 7000. Michael, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. To get the news first, subscribe now to Squawk 7000 on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.